Nation. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome back to the Crease Dive. Today is Monday, July 1st, week five of the PLL season just wrapped up in Atlanta. Jake, you were down there, boots on the ground at Georgia State Stadium all weekend long, uh, looking handsome as could be, might I add. Uh, so, you know, how was the weekend and and how you feeling after basking in that hot Atlanta sun? Well, first of all, I have to, you know, recognize your compliment. Thank you very much. I was, you know, I think the, the Redwoods also saw that, you know, how good I was looking um, from the Crease Dives Instagram and reposted me. So shout out to the Redwoods, you know, recognizing a real fan. No, man, it was so cool. It being in Atlanta, um, you know, the venue was great. Uh, I had to say, because, you know, there's, I mean, you're not going to get Mer Mercedes Benz Stadium. You're just, you're not going to get that. Like that's, <laughs> that they reserve that for like uh, high school football state championship and, you know, obviously the Falcons and the, the Atlanta United. So you're just not going to get that. Um, what they did was, you know, and I don't know if you know that George State Stadium is the is Turner Field. Um, so they basically took, you know, the old baseball stadium uh, for the Braves and they added kind of lower levels. So like there's some fresh concrete and like a um, – like a like a patio like a big you know open air patio type deal for you to be able to watch the game so the, the games were great uh friday night was fantastic weather um you know kind of like 75 80 degrees uh and then uh saturday it actually rained a little bit right before the whips next game um but i mean it was it was an awesome it was, it was an awesome time um you know obviously atlanta lacrosse community very small so i saw like you know, 15, 20 people that I know very, very intimately, uh, lots of bros. Um, and then, you know, lots of, lots of, lots of kids there who are, you know, really fascinated with the game. So, I mean, it, it was a great experience in Atlanta. It was great for Atlanta. Yeah. What, uh, so obviously Friday night w was, was this feeling in the crowd where it was it a, a heavy archers pull trying to get your boy, Scott, the, the W, you know, how was, uh, or, or were people just ready to see like whatever? You know, I, I think people were ready to see whatever. It seemed to me, and obviously I don't know the exact numbers, but it seemed to me there was actually a higher turnout on that Friday night um, under the lights for that 8 o'clock game. And, you know, maybe that was the sweet spot for people like, hey, let's go hit, you know, a dinner place and then go watch the game. But um, the the atmosphere during that game was extremely, uh, I don't, I don't want to say tense, but like it was very excited. Um, certainly there were, there were people there, you know, for the Atlanta flavor for, for Scott and everything. Um, but like that, it was, uh, it felt kind of, kind of even honestly. Yeah. Well, I'll just say like, like for someone just like watching at home on TV, the Friday night game was perfect. I, I hope that the PLL starts to like do a little bit more of that as the years go on. Um, I know like broadcasting probably like, like NBC probably determines like when these games are played, but as a 27 year old, like washed up dude who hasn't gone out on a Friday night in years at this point, like it was so nice to have a game to watch on Friday night, as opposed to like, like the Saturday afternoon ones, they're tough in the summer. It's like, ah, like kind of want to go to the beach. You know, I, I don't want to be like sitting in my living room watching these games. Uh, but like a Friday night game is perfect. Cause I don't do shit on Friday nights anymore. Um, you know, so, you know, maybe that would be like a little bit different, like five years ago when I wasn't just a, a, a washed up has been, um, but Friday night lights could be huge for the PLL. Um, so it, 
glad glad that that one had a nice little turnout as well. Yeah, me too. I think that I hope they really continue to do that too. Um, you know, my feeling for the for the Saturday games was that you know it was kind of overcast, so I'm sure people were kind of concerned with the rain. Um, you know, I I myself got there late. You know, I got there like third quarter during the chaos game. Um, kind of felt like there like people were kind of like just rolling out of bed or something like that um, because there were definitely more people there for the Redwoods game than there were for the chaos game. And honestly, uh, we all, I mean, everybody who wasn't there for the chaos game fucked up because that was probably one of the more exciting games of the weekend. Um, yeah, let's we we can go a little out of order here. So let's just talk yeah. about it in terms of like the way that the games played out. So let's go right to Chaos versus Chrome. Um the dream is still alive and this <laughs> is this is exactly I I Here's the thing. The Chrome. All right, so they start the season off 0 and 5. So at best all they can do in the regular season, they can finish 5 and 5 if they win out the rest of the way. Nobody gives a fuck about a five and five lacrosse team. All right. Like that's just, that's the thing, but people will care about an O and 10 team, especially if they have a goal differential of like just minus 11. The one game that they lost by two goals in in week four, that's really starting to piss me off right now because I would love if they could go O and 10 with a goal differential of just 10. Obviously that's not possible anymore. Um, if you are not rooting for the Chrome to, and again, nothing against those guys. Like I, like I want to see those guys succeed in everything, but like what, what's, what's the, what's the uh, saying? Like heroes get remembered, but like legends never die or something like that. Yeah. The legend of the Chrome going zero and 10 in the first year of PLL history with a goal differential of minus 11, that will never die. Um, so, I mean, they lost the first, what they lost the first three games of the season by one goal each. They were all then, overtime. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all overtime. Then they lost by two, and then an overtime again to the chaos. So, um, you know, I it's tough, man, because like like you can you can see like they're like obviously they're a great team. They're filled with a bunch of Duke guys. They got a bunch of uh, the best players in the world. Um, you know, and and like they were down seven one at halftime. Brett Queener comes in and then all of a sudden they make it a 14, 14 game, send that bitch into overtime. So like they're a nasty team as far as an O and five team goes, like they're as close to five and O as it gets. Um, but yeah, so this is just incredible. And then, yeah, obviously with, with Deemer clash, just dunking on his Duke boys with the overtime dagger. So that was, yeah, without a doubt the the most uh, exciting game of the weekend. No, for sure. So, the, like, I, you know, I was I was explaining this to somebody, you know, like the Chrome. It, they've got like multi generational Duke talent, right? Like, like these were like Matt Donowski and Ned Crotty, like you know Jordan Wolf, Justin Gutterding, like these guys are absolutely some of like the best players in the world. Like Ned Crotty, T, you know, Team USA, uh, Matt Donowski, Team USA, um, and I was explaining to somebody who was like. So it, it's probably taking them a minute to, you know, adjust their styles to play with each other. Because, you know, Matt Donowski and Justin Gutterding are probably, they're probably like six, seven years apart. You know, that's that's equivalent of like. Oh, probably more uh, than that. I remember more watching, than that. Yeah, I was watching Donowski at Championship Weekend in like 2005. Mm. 
More it's so even more so. So now you've got like you know your old guys playing ball and you've got your new guys playing ball. So now they have to kind of adjust themselves to you know how the other person plays. It's a lot harder for that than you know a couple guys who are three or four years removed from Duke and can kind of come in and be like, oh, I, I played with him when he was a senior and I was a freshman. So, um, but what happened was, and what I saw was Dano and Crotty, uh, Crotty kid absolutely just took the game into their own hands and started saying, you know what? Everybody step the fuck back. Let the old guys work. And what, I mean, Karate had four. Yeah. And then dude, Donowski had that one where he was coming down the alley, rolled back, had like a little like step away, fader, low to high, bingo, bango, back of the net, turning right. Like that goal right there was so nasty. And like when you watch it in the slow-mo replay, like it was just, I don't know that that step back was absurd. Um, yeah, Donowski and and Karate really took that one. And like that's probably like that's probably the like like who knows like how much longer those guys will both be able to like keep playing for. Like obviously they're still snapping off at the age that they're at right now, but like like their days are obviously more numbered than than Gutterdings are. So like they're coming into this game, they're like, dude, like. We've been so fucking close to winning all these games, and we just can't close it out. We're zero and four right now. I got to step in here. I got to do something. Like we can't let this keep happening. Unfortunately, it did keep happening this week. Um, but like that's, I think that that's like that that veteran. Uh, you know, they're they, they probably have a little bit more like reputation on the line too, just because you know they're you know they're the guys who have been there before. They're also you know the two coaches, um, so like they don't want to keep losing. Like that's not a a type of uh, standard that they would like to set, but it it just keeps happening. And uh, but <laughs> I mean, real quick, shout out to Demer class. This was a huge weekend for uh, for some revenge goals, and not necessarily. It's not like Demer class had anything to do with not being on the Chrome, um, but for like Demer and Miles Jones to be playing against their some of their former teammates, um, you know, and then for Demer to stick that that overtime dagger. And then, you know, then we'll talk about it a little bit more heading into like Redwoods whip, whip snakes with Jules Hennenberg. Uh, you know, Joe Walters going up against his former Terps. So big time revenge weekend. And like that's that's the drama that we need in professional lacrosse to get people to start like really buying into all this. And you know what I also appreciated? I also appreciated Brett Queener coming off the bit coming out and absolutely um taking the game over himself. And that man was talking all game, and you could tell he was talking all game. Um, but you're right, huge, huge game for huge weekend for revenge goals. Um, Dude, Queener ha- Queener had that one um, series where like like it was just it was just like like magic shit, like three saves like right on the doorstep, back to back to back. Um, you want to talk yeah. a guy who's still got it, Brett Queener? Yeah. I, I will say though, so Brett Queener came in. It was seven to one. Brett Queener did a great job of making some huge saves to, you know, buy enough time to get the Chrome back into that game. Incredible game from Brett Queener. With that being said, the best save of the day in that game, specific, probably of the weekend, um, but especially for that game, Mark Lassini, you, yes. you, Son of a bitch, you are a wild man. Uh, that I know that we usually give out greaser of the week on the Friday episodes, but this is an early stamp it, seal it, mail it in greaser of the week. 
locked and loaded. Mark Lassini just out there, no twig. So he's already playing defense without a stick, which first of all, shout out to the, so that I, I guess this is like the first week that we found out that in the PLL, if you drop your stick, you're allowed to keep playing without it. Um, which is a good move because I feel like that's going to end up like someone's going to get tackled at some point, And that's, you know, love to see that you, you need to see that. Um, but so no twig out there playing defense ball gets kicked up top. He realizes like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't like, I don't have a stick. I'm not in a great position right now. Let me just sell the fuck out. Dude turns his back, which I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I guess if no one's wearing shoulder pads, I guess it's, probably better to get hit in the back than it is to get hit in the front. Like I know like so many times people will be like, uh, you know, like don't turn your back. Like you don't have, you have less padding there. Like it's going to, but I mean, I guess if no one's wearing shoulder pads, turning your back is the right move, but still turns his back, throws his arms out to the side to make himself as big as humanly possible. Takes a bullet. I think it was Danowski shot it. So you knew that it was cooking. Takes it straight to the kidney, goes down, hops right back up, Barely even rubs it at all. Gets off. Job well done. And uh, like that's that's a goal right there. Where, or well, that's a save right there. That you know you could look back on that and be like, yeah, yeah, like that's Matt Danowski shooting that ball. There's a good fucking chance that would end up in the back of the net, and then this game wouldn't get to overtime. Mark Lasini said, no, no, no. I like I don't give a shit about my own body. Let me jump in front of this real quick. Um, yeah, that might be a, like a greaser of the year nominee. Uh, let me tell you. I'm not doing it. I can't imagine jumping in front of one of those shots. So uh, the, I need to get like a picture of the aftermath, like Glissini, like we need to tweet at him or something. Like, can we see where the ball hits you? And I'm sure I, it's just I, like a yellowish brown. Like, I'm sure it's all sorts of fucking colors. Purple. I, think, I think we need to see his next, like, I think we need a, like a urine sample. Because I feel like that's probably going to be coming out like pretty dark and and like some hints of red. Uh, yeah, he's probably peeing blood, but you know he's peeing blood for the boys. So I mean, what you can't fault the guy for that. If if you're not peeing blood for the boys, then are you really for the boys? Not not a single bit. Uh, um, all right, but yeah, so that's uh, chaos fifteen, chrome fourteen overtime so again if if you're not rooting for the chrome to go zero and 10 and losing each game by just one or two goals then um you're not doing this thing right uh real quick so let's let's then go back to friday so a little bit out of order here but let's go to that friday game real quick because the friday game also had um you know a a, a pretty wild series of events especially uh to end that game but so the atlas they win. Uh, they win two in a row now, right? So they go to two and three on the year, um, dude. I, I will say this though: so the Atlas get the win, um, but for some reason, like the whole time I'm watching that game, all I'm thinking about is how in the fuck do you stop this Archer's offense? Like they just move the ball so quick. Tom Schreiber, like I don't think that there's any there's not a single way to defend Tom Schreiber. We saw one guy, we saw um, in that game, someone tried to put Schreiber in a headlock. You that really seems, have to tackle him. That seems like the only way to like really stop him so far. So like, and then, but then, you know, then they go on the power play and then Schreiber's going to pick you apart on the power play. So like, did you really stop him? Maybe for like five to 10 seconds before the power play gets going. Um, but so, I mean, the archers off, like it's crazy. This team has lost like, 
think they lost two or three in a row now. Um, but they're they're so fucking like that just goes to show this league is um no one knows what in the hell is gonna happen as soon as that the first whistle blows. Like this archers team is so fucking good offensively. They move the ball so quick. Will Manny, dude. Will Manny had a couple goals in this game where that ball was in and out of his stick in like like a fourth of a second, like the quickest of sticks. Um, you know, Schreiber just doing it to him. But then, you know, all of a sudden, this Atlas team, like we, we, I think we talked about it on Friday. I think you might have said it um, that we were kind of waiting for that Ryan Brown game, a game where, you know, Ryan, like, like Ryan Brown is a, he was a starter for Team USA at the World Championships. Like he doesn't need to, like, he doesn't need like a breakout game for like people to like know who he is. Like he obviously is one of the best lacrosse players in the world, but like in terms of the PLL, we just haven't seen a game from him yet. Where it's like, Oh shit. Like that's, that's their weapon right there. I thought that we saw that on Friday night. Yeah, we definitely did. Um, you know, to me, there were a couple, there were a couple factors that, um, that kind of changed the game for the Atlas. One of those, or the Atli, I'm never going to get that right. I don't fucking care. Uh, you know what I'm saying. Uh, there was a couple of minutes, a couple of factors that they came out. They came out hot with Trevor Baptiste. They really backed him up on the faceoff. Um, the other thing is the Atlas, the Atlas were extremely disruptive on defense. They were pressing out extremely far, and they were making Will Manny, Tom Schreiber, Marcus Holman, they were making these guys uncomfortable and forcing them to make mistakes. Um, I think that was one of the, the biggest factors that, that I saw. Um, and the Atlas, they absolutely came to play, man. Um, Joel Tenney had a game. Uh, Joel Tenney had a big game. Um, you know, he hit those two uh, kind of sidewinder, left-handed, inside out on the run. Those are s- stupid goals. How how many times does Joel Tenney have to go underneath on a high wing dodge and just stuff the back of the net before people – like, dude, I, I know that, like – that that everything in your head like like you're out there playing defense and like you just like hear the coach in the back of your head being like don't give up top side don't give up top side give Joel Tenney top side because if he gets underneath on you he's going down no angle he's so shifty and and so creative with the way that he finishes he's like he's so much he he's been doing it since he did it in Hopkins he's been doing it the past couple weeks here he did it twice against the archers on Friday night maybe start letting them get top side because letting them get underneath on the high wing has not worked out well for anybody in the past like five years. Yeah, not a bit. They, uh, I mean, and it wasn't just Joel Tenney either. Like they had goals all over the place. If you look, if you, if you looked at the stat sheet, you know, there, there was probably five or six guys that had, um, you know, multiple goals, which, you know, I think that was also a huge difference. And, you know, there was a point in the game where I think it was about 30 seconds left and, uh, Archers had the ball and the Atlas came out in a full court press. Like they locked off and absolutely just went to town on the, on the ball. And I don't think the Archers were expecting that. I think the Archers were expecting to have, you know, kind of a loosey goosey type type game. Um, you know, it almost seemed to me like the Archers thought they were going to walk away with, with the win. And um, the Atlas really didn't let them really didn't let them play. Um, I'm, I'm looking through the stats right now. And I, I think Ryan Brown had three, Two or three in that game, but like yeah, he leads, definitely had he, a hat trick. Yeah, he, he leads the uh, the the Atli in shots, and I'm glad that they're finally dropping. But in terms of like most exciting games, 
you know, I'm going to throw out this spicy take. And I think that this, these three games that from last weekend were the most exciting series, not just because I was there. They were exciting, you know, just to anybody watching because it was this game was literally back and forth the entire game. You know, Archers go up a little bit at, at like come back a little bit. Archers go up a little bit. I like come back a little bit. Take the lead. Like, you know, it, it was extremely exciting. Dude, and, and then the, it, then the final second of the game. Oh, I, yeah. It, Tom almost had it. Tom dude. almost had that. So I'm trying to think like uh, like I, I I tried like slowing down the video a little bit like while I was watching the replay. So um, who was it? I think like, you know, Holman had the ball from, you know, like well above the two point line, like just a second left. So he had to get a shot off. Um, yep. Can Cannon pops it up in the air and then Schreiber right there on the doorstep. Just pretty sure it was just with one hand too. one handed. Yeah. Jumps up grabs it tries to quick stick it in the back now i was like looking at the video i couldn't necessarily tell if he got that shot off before the buzzer or not either way tucker durkin also so again like glassini with one of the best saves of of the weekend tucker durkin at the buzzer just jumping down there i think he stopped that one with his ass so like kincannon was already out of position because he had to pop that one up and then tucker durkin just puts his ass on the ball and just stops like right on the goal line so um and like watching that so the two refs you know so holman shoots kincannon pops it up schreiber right there on the doorstep one hand knocks it down like right on the goal line, Tucker Durkin, big ass saves the day. But like the two refs after like came converging in on the net right away after that one. And you could tell like the one ref, I, I need to figure out what the difference is. Like the one ref wears the yellow hat. The other ones wear the black hat. I need to know like what, what the uh, significance of that is. Like, obviously I guess like one of them is like the head and, and whatever the one ref with the yellow hat ran in and, like you could see it on his face and like you could see his arms getting ready to go. Like he wanted to call that a goal so bad. He wanted it so bad. Like he's running in and you can tell like the way that his body is, his body uh, language was, he was ready to give that goal and send that bitch to overtime. Like he was ready for that chaos. Then the other ref with the black hat came in and talked a little bit of sense into him was like, nah, that didn't pass the goal line. Like, don't call that a goal or else we're going to look like fucking assholes when the replay comes up. Um, but yeah, so I mean that one in terms of coming down to the wire, it like it came down to the wire and Tucker Durkin's ass. I mean, thank God for talking Dur Tucker Durkin's ass. I, I think that's the, the, the bottom line here. Um, but overall, dude, that was the, one of the best games I, I, I think we've ever seen. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, awesome games too. The Whip Snakes and Redwoods game was absolutely um, the business as well. Uh, I thought that that was going to be the best game of the weekend. I don't, I don't even think it was. Um, but I mean, the, you know, the the, the Whip Snakes. Maybe it was the rain, you know, but there was a lot of stuff that wasn't dropping for them, um, and there was a lot of stuff that was like, you know, um, I think Chanachuk hit another two pointer in the game. Did it? Yeah, so he had he had a two pointer, and then I think he also had one where like half of his foot was was across the line. So like a couple couple inches back would have been two two bombs on the day. Yeah, he's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Drenner showed out. I mean, what I mean, what more can you ask for? And then I think my favorite point in the game was it was late in the game, and Kyle Harrison comes streaking out of the box, uh, catches one on. 
I'm glad you're saying this because this was going to be my (laughs) catches one on the run. Absolutely just rips a jump shot top left to let all the youngins out there know that he's still got it because he hit that in the entire crowd went, Ooh, they didn't even clap. They just went, Ooh, like, like, like that was smooth. That was nice. That's a goal right there where like, like STX needs to bring us on board or something like that because if I was STX, I would be one. I'd be listening to the show and and hearing us talk about the crankshaft so much over the past couple of weeks. And if I was STX, I would be waiting for that first Kyle Harrison goal in the, in the PLL to then drop like the new line of crankshafts right then and there. Dude, <laughs> vintage Kyle Harrison jump shot, just up on that left leg, right hand cocked back, boom, turn and rake like that right there. If they would have, if they would have dropped a new line of crankshafts right then and there, they would have. I mean, that would make STX a billion dollar company. I mean, who's? I mean, who's not going to buy that if it does? Like that's, you know, my God. But it but was like, it, it, overall, it was a, a an absolutely fantastic game too. Um, yeah, you know, but like it, the, the reason the reason why it wasn't. Like as exciting though as as those first two games is just because those you know the Redwoods midfielders took that game over. I mean, dude, Sergio Perkovic, like we've known this for a while, but he was a bully out there, just running people over down the alley. Like starts to sweep a little bit and then turns right back down the alley at that pipe, lets it go. Um, Joe Walters with with the big goal as well. Um, you know, and obviously like that game. I, how many guys? Sergio Salcido, uh, absolutely just juking boys left and right. You know, just he's just a mean player. Yeah, and then and then and like the attack got it going as well. You know, Jules, big revenge game for him. He had uh, two goals on the day. I think Matt Cavanaugh had like six points, maybe five or six points. One of those, but like, like that's the thing though is is these moves that the Redwoods have made throughout the season, um, picking up Jules bringing in a guy like Ryder and then relying on, on some of those, you know, those, those midfielders that like, like we, we knew that the midfield was, was loaded right from the get go. They showed out in Atlanta. Um, we knew that the defense was going to be solid from the get go. They showed out Timmy Troutner again, another huge pickup for them right before the season at the draft, dude, he is just so unbelievable. And, and and like I think you've you've talked about it on this before, you know, the, a couple weeks ago. Like as soon as he makes a save, that ball is up and out, going down in transition, um, just so fast. Like there there were a couple goals in this game that just like from the time that Troutner made a save to it ending up in the back of the net, and you know Burnley were having to turn and rake like three seconds, maybe just up and down the field so quick. Um, so like all these moves that the Redwoods have made are just again it's a shame that there's no like gms in the league or anything like that because they would get a gm of the year award like without a doubt yeah the uh i do have to say that um jules came out pretty flat-footed um he had a couple turnovers uh early in the game and you could tell he was visibly you know kind of frustrated with how he was playing but he stuck with it and he stuck with the boys on offense. Um, I get, I guess, you know, what they tried to do is, you know, if they couldn't get it, they couldn't get a, a lot going from the attack side. So they gave the midfielders more of an opportunity to, you know, let it fly. And then towards the end of the game, Hindenburg had, you know, he found, you know, his sweet spot right around the cage and, you know, absolutely 
um, dunked on uh, Burnlore uh, twice. You know, hit him with a you know fake here, fake here. Nope, I'm going here type deal. Um, so, you know, it was it was it. There was a lot for the midfield, and I think that that's if I'm playing the Redwoods, um, you know, I'm I'm really focused on the midfield. I'm really focused on pulling my my attackman off to get an extra pull. Um, you know, to get an extra defenseman on because I, I don't want I don't want to see those guys in transition. I don't want to uh, you know I want to make sure that I've got everybody on them. You know, in midfield, all my strongest players on them. Um, but I mean, like you know, dude. But like that's the thing that Lord, makes man. them. That's the thing that makes them just so like because again, like the the midfielders showed out for the Redwoods in this game, but like. people dodging you know north south um you know or you got like a, obviously like the kyle harris but like you know walters as well like you have these guys just barreling down from up top so then like a defense like you're just every anytime someone's just barreling down from up top like now you're like all right like i need to be ready to go i need to be ready to go like my my eyes are facing up and then that just allows guys like jules to just creep out from behind the net like like he sees his guy is like so fucking ready he's like i have to slide or else we're gonna keep getting bullied and then as soon as he turns his head jules pops up give me that ball thanks for trading me now i'm five the only five and oh man in right. the pll the only right. the the only man who is yet to lose a game in the pll and he was the first trade so uh yeah thanks thanks for coming out yeah, best best trade in PLL history. And you know, speaking of the Redwoods midfield, you know, I'm looking at their their roster on um, the PLL, and I guess that the teams have like a you know a lot of guys who are considered to be practice squad or whatever. But um, the Redwoods have JoJo Morasco listed on their roster, so you know maybe one of these you know, one of these days we see Morasco suit up, and that's that's another absolute fucking weapon uh, at midfield. You know, is is the Redwoods midfield too strong? That becomes a huge question. Are they are they bad for lacrosse? Like, are they just yeah. too dominant? Are they the UConn women's basketball of PLL midfielders? Is, is UConn still good? I haven't women's. Uh, I have no idea. I, I know that shout out uh, Collins Hill High School in Georgia because that's where Maya Moore is from. So you know she had her you know four years at, at UConn winning just buckets, buckets. But I digress. Back to lacrosse. Yeah, back back to that. Um, trying to think, looking uh, looking over some of my notes, just a uh, couple things. Oh, I, uh, John Rannigan. I, I just <laughs> like so so. My, I wrote down in my notes. He sellies harder than anybody else in the entire. Like anytime he puts the ball in the back of the net, this man's fist pump is like like you know those um you know those machines that it's like a uh, like a little like punching bag comes down like it's it would be like at an arcade um and a punching bag comes down and you have to hit the punching bag and then it, it jumps up and then it shows you like some like giant number that like doesn't really represent anything but it just like gives you a score i we need to put one of those if not in real life at least i need someone who's like good at video editing to like put this into a video of uh Rannigan, fist pumping for a goal, hitting the bag, and then just getting whatever a high score would be in that one. 
Yeah, he definitely needs something like that. And he's got a reason to fist bump because he's got nine he's got seven goals and he's shooting forty one percent. So that man's that man when that when he's letting it fly, you know, I'm let me tell you, I'm not gonna glissini that one. I'm not gonna jump in front of it. I'll tell I'll tell you that. I'm a little yeah, bit worried about his like home life or something because there's like it just looks like there's so much anger behind every single <laughs> shot. It's like it's like buddy, like is is everything okay? Like it looks like you're trying to like send this ball into orbit. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, maybe you know if he if he needs to come on the pod and talk about it or something like that, we can always ask him. You know, hey John, what's what's up there, bud? You you feeling all right? Yeah, just, just concerned about you. I'll tell you, I, it's it's working for him right now. So like maybe maybe like keep all that anger pent up for the season, and then like once the season's over, maybe we can have like a little therapy session to like talk it over. Um, but right now, I think having that anger built in is probably the reason why he's shooting forty one percent. I'm inclined to agree. Um, trying to think. I, I I mean that's you know just again three incredible games. Um. And just a, a devilishly handsome podcaster right there in the stand. So I, right. I think it, I think it was just a, a a quality weekend for the sport of lacrosse all around. Yeah, I was you know I'll say I'll say more to you know it being oh that's my cat if you can hear it he's fire, fired up fired up about the yeah, big I mean, red he's, he's so fired up about the big redwoods oh my god this is gonna be terrible for the He's a, it's a, like a, it's basically like a jungle cat. He's a Bengal. So like all he does is just scream all the time. Like he's very vocal anyway. I think he's done now, but you know, to, for the PLL to be in Atlanta, um, was fantastic. It's great for great for the sport Atlanta lacrosse. Um, I mean, there was a kid who was just in the, um, I was, I saw it on Ty Zander's feed. I think it was in one of the underclass games from Woodward Academy in Georgia, absolutely showing out. He was on the all-star team. You know, Atlanta's got some guys who can who can play, and they're on a bigger scale now. Um, they're on a bigger stage now, uh, and I think people are seeing that. Uh, you know, Atlanta is, of course, uh, of course, it's, I'm biased because I live here and because I'm from here and I played here. But you know, it, it's certainly not on the scale that Baltimore or New York is or New Jersey or anything like that. But you know, it's becoming competitive same with states like texas and florida those guys are becoming you know the guys from there are becoming um competitive too same with california um but i loved the experience this weekend um it was very like you know kind of an intimate setting if it had been anywhere else i don't know if i would have gone um you know i think kennesaw state where the the blaze have been playing they were kind of like kennesaw was kind of like all right everybody fuck off now um, so the, the Blaze actually play at a high school stadium, uh, not too far from the Georgia State Stadium. And of course, you're not going to get in Mercedes Benz. So Georgia State Stadium's solid. Um, but yeah, man, I wish we had more kind of stuff like that in Atlanta. And, you know, maybe next year they'll uh, let us have one of the championship games or part of championship weekend there. Yeah. Um, another great thing about, uh, being in Atlanta this past weekend is just some of the jerseys that the boys showed up to, uh, that the boys showed up wearing. This oh, yeah. weekend. I mean, like, so we had, you know, well, Jules was rocking Mike Vick. Um, you know, I, I we, we saw Liam Byrne. Yeah. Liam Burns was looking real good. Uh, you know, we had some, some Georgia tech jerseys in there as well. Um, so I, that, that's something that the PLL has really been excelling at. Um, it's just, pregame attire just you know it 
it would be a real shame to like see these guys just like show up in suits every game and just like pictures of guys just wearing like a blazer and just like sweating their balls off because they're in Atlanta at the end of June. Um, so, you know, letting guys just rock some, some basketball jerseys out there, some football jerseys. Um, they come off the bus looking super clean, super ready to go. Um, and, and that's, you know, okay. It, the, it, the, the suits are just like, I don't know. Like, I, I just think like, like hockey showing up in suits makes sense. Um, but allowing these guys to show up wearing whatever they want, kind of like the NBA, definite, definite plus. Yeah. Let's, you know, I'm sure that there are the, the, the token haters out there like, well, it should be a business. They're professionals. They're, they're should, professionals. They dress the part. Well, all of you guys can absolutely, you, you guys can, well, how about you watch the game in a suit? If you think it's so important, why don't you get out your nice, you know, Armani suit and sit down there, you know, with your deal sleds and just crush a, a PLL game and what have you. But no, man, they were there. I, I think that's a, a super, you know, cool part of the game to be able to see kind of like the pregame, you know, what they're what they're rolling up to the field. in. Um, I think it kind of gets uh, it, it allows the fans to see the, the the players personalities more. And I think that's what the PLL is going to going for. I know RJ uh, mentioned it. Um, he, he did a little small, small interview in the, um, I think it was halftime of one of the games. You know, he really wants everybody out there to know the guys under the helmet intimately. Um, and I think that we're, we're definitely getting that with the mic'd up. We're getting that with the, I think my cat's going off again. Um, I, it's broken. Your, your cat, uh, your cat's pissed. Your, your cat's one of those like, Oh, they should dress up like professionals. Like they're getting paid. This is, you know, this isn't some summer league, like look the part uh, Oh my God. Um, <laughs> hey, I'll tell you uh, one, one more thing before we wrap this up and you can attend to your cat who sounds like he's dying. Um, so you, you did mention in the Instagram stories this, uh, this past weekend that uh, unfortunately you are now newly single after Paul Rabel stole your girlfriend. So, um, you know, is, is any, any update on that? Um, you know, do we need to get into contact with Paul? Who do we sue? Uh, he's he, my 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 girlfriend has an affinity for Paul Rabel that is pretty much unparalleled. I would have to say, um, every time that Paul did something great on the field on Friday, she stood up and clapped. Uh, Paul, uh, thank you for Ubering her home on um, Saturday morning. I can't really do anything by myself. Uh, I don't know how to load the dishwasher. I, I really don't know how to do anything. So thank you for sending her back to me. I hope you were good to her. <laughs> yeah, man, she was. Quality, quality lacrosse player, even more of a quality guy. Uh, but yeah, so that wraps up week five of the PLL in Atlanta. Atlas take down the Archers 13 to 12. They are now two and three. Uh, Chaos get a big overtime dub over the Chrome as the Chrome moved to 0 and 5. Chaos 4 and 1. And Redwoods take down the Drip Snakes 14 11. Uh, most importantly, Jules Hennenberg goes to 5 and 0 on the weekend. Um, yeah, and then Mark Lassini and and Tucker Durkin, they're just gonna have to battle it out for for Greece. I mean, that could be a, a two time Greaser of the week for uh, Tucker. So a bunch of fucking animals just selling out. And yeah, uh, actually, if someone could do me a favor and just uh, if if you're ever around Mark Lassini, like in the bathroom, just take a picture of his next. Uh, you know, once once he once he takes a takes a number one, because would love to see that urine sample. Because I feel like that is going to be beat red. Yeah, it's gonna be gross. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be chaos, red. Wow, 
that's that's how we end it. Let's go Lone High till the day we die. We out. I used to, I need to put that shit on you.